This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. Of COVID-19 emergencies on May 11th, what does that mean to you and me as the world has returned closer anyway to what is the new normal nearly three years after uh, so many emergency policies were put into place? In the meantime, many of you, 50 million in fact, under winter weather advisories, a lot of freezing rain and temperatures in some places where it feels like it is night. Below, look out if you live in Denver, especially there, it is extremely cold and there are treacherous roads just like there are in Dallas. Start to another wild and wacky week, the end of January. 2023. Hard to believe, but we're almost at Groundhog Day and the start of February. Wow, did that go quickly. It certainly did. The other big concern, I think, on the minds of so many is what's happened in Memphis. Just so sad and so um, weary, I think, the American people are over stories like this one, and it's the latest, the deadly police beating of a a black motorist, Tyree Nichols, who was the father of one, and he was driving and was pulled over in what uh, police thought was suspicion of reckless driving. He was yanked out of his car. He ran away. He was screaming, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. Offers, officers deployed pepper spray and a taser to try to make him lie prone minutes later they would catch him at a second location they were hitting and kicking him this is all over body cam footage and surveillance video it is out there and there's no denying it or looking at it from different angles or anything else and 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 of course the memphis police department is not they're appalled by what they've seen as is the fbi they're investigating it he died three days later of his injuries and you know, now there's more scrutiny over um, the use of force. I mean, we're going down that same path. And then there are some emergency medical techs who have been uh, fired as well as a result of the response once they got to the to the scene. And um, the the video shows when they, they first arrived, they walked around him and intermittently kind of falling onto, uh, they walked away from him with, with Nichols kind of intermittently sort of falling to his side. You could see that on the, on the video, but uh, five of the officers, all of the officers, the five were black that were fired and then indicted last week on second degree murder and uh, other charges as well. And now there are other officers that are also being looked at as well, including Preston Hemphill, who is a white officer. He's been on administrative leave since the beginning of the investigation. He's on tape saying, I hope they stomp his ass. So this Scorpion unit that they thought was going to help in some particularly 
awful areas where crime was high. It's turned out to be just the opposite, so they disbanded it. These were police officers in the Scorpion unit who were plainclothed and were their kind of their charge was street crimes operation to restore peace in our neighborhoods. That was what the unit was formed for. And it was formed in 2021, and the idea was put the police in in areas where there's violent crime and do something about that. But they immediately disbanded this after seeing that video and said this is not the kind of culture that we want. So Memphis police permanently deactivated it, and and, and in fact... Um, there was a statement that was released saying, while the heinous actions of a few casts a cloud of dishonor on the title Scorpion, it's imperative that the Memphis Police Department take proactive steps in the healing process for all in, impacted. So um, what kind of reform will happen and uh, what ultimately happens is this case eventually ends up in in a in court, you know, what is decided there is um, is one that, of course, we will be following. And a lot of people are, are protesting in other parts of the country. And, and again, looking at the video and looking what happened and looking at the reaction, you know, it's one of those things where you say, oh, wow, here we go again. And there's all kinds of people that are horrified by this, no matter what they're political backgrounds are republicans democrats uh whatever because we're seeing protests in many many different areas peaceful protests nothing that's been um that's carried way deep into the night or any of that kind of thing but the whole idea is is to raise the the awareness i'm going to say this at the top of the show because we had some legendary people that have passed on. One of them I had a chance to have some conversations with, and he was really an incredible athlete, Bobby Hull, a Hockey Hall of Famer, a Stanley Cup champ, dead at the age of 84, the Chicago Blackhawks. When you think of them, uh, you think of, of him and his impact. He was certainly a superstar from the late 50s to the early 70s. And he he was um, somebody who delivered for the fans in a very, very big way as he was a leading scorer in the NHL and he played in uh, over a thousand hockey games, NHL hockey games, and it was a 12-time All-Star and, you know, all of that and uh, was certainly somebody who was recognized in the world of hockey. His son, Brett is also a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame. He played hockey, obviously, as well in the NHL. So uh, very funny guy. Glad I had a chance to have some conversations with him. Cindy Williams, dead at the age of 75. Who is Cindy Williams? Probably best known for playing a character on the sitcom Laverne and Shirley. She was Shirley Shirley Feeney was the name of the the character, but she died after a short illness. According to her family, her kids released a statement and just said that uh, their mother was hilarious and 
that it's uh, insurmountable sadness and they they cannot express how loving and kind that she was and a brilliant, brilliant sense of humor and uh, a spirit that everybody loves. So rip to Cindy Williams as well as probably some of the people in this audience have seen that sitcom Laverne and Shirley, which is actually a spinoff to a show called Happy Days. Winter Storm, that has affected lots of people. In Texas, in fact, in a place where I called home for a very long time, proudly Dallas, weather alerts all over the place, lots and lots of ice, slick, dangerous roads, and bitter cold temps that uh, have smashed into to that area and other parts of, of Texas as well. Uh, an ice storm warning went into effect for Memphis and other areas in Tennessee and Arkansas and Mississippi. And here's the thing. It's expected to last through Wednesday afternoon. So travel in some of those areas is going to be really, really tough. Same thing in, in Texas, as I mentioned, Austin, Dallas. we got great people listening to us in Oklahoma City. Be careful out there. Heavy there, too, as well. Heavy rain, flash flooding, and in uh, some other parts that will st- start to become a risk a little bit later in the week, uh, too. Like I said, in Denver, absolutely freezing. Layer up, people, and be safe out there. We can count coming up. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. 
Hey guys, why settle for poor quality Pouty Arco that's sold by stores and online resellers when you can get Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea at drinksupertea.com or 818-965-9113. The Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea is only available at drinksupertea.com. 818-965-9113. 818-965-9113. That's drinksupertea.com. Ever feel completely down on your luck, whether it's your career or just your life? Do you look at other people and wonder, why them, not me? I'm Kate Delaney. I did it. I admit it. I've learned some valuable and priceless lessons from some of the rock stars I've interviewed over the years, like Sir Richard Branson or the late, great John Madden, and I want to share them. Want to laugh? Want to learn? Want more out of life? Then pick up a copy of my book, Deal Your Own Destiny, Increase Your Odds, Win Big, and Become Extraordinary. Get it on Amazon today. that have washed up on beaches. We certainly know what whales look like. Really, really crazy on Long Island. A massive 35-foot-long humpback male whale died after beaching itself on Long Island on Monday morning. Enormous, just so huge. And a pretty well-known beach, Nassau County's uh, Lido Beach is where it happened, and the whale was found like at 6.30 in the morning. So by the time crews scurried to get there, of course, the whale was dead. Now, beached whales are kind of common, and the Jersey Shore has seen seven in about a month. How about that? Just depending on where. But this, is, this was a very large whale, and the crews that showed up, because, of course, they keep records of this kind of thing, they say it's the biggest that they've seen in two decades, the size of the whale. Again, just enormous, and they had to move the whale to higher ground because of the high tide that was coming in. So how do you move that kind of a whale? I mean, how much does that weigh? You had to bring in a heavy crane. That's what they had to do. And uh, the wires were snapping because of the tonnage that was required to bring it to higher ground. And, of course, as soon as the word spread, people were flocking to the beach to, to gawk at this, uh, what probably was once an amazing thing to see in, in the seas, this giant, giant uh creature they there were aerial views of it and it was this is a massive 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 uh whale and of course they're going to do a form of an autopsy to determine the cause of the animal's death but definitely it had beached itself obviously and was dying or was dead at the time that it uh, arrived on the uh on the beach but uh Whatever you use to to search the World Wide Web, you might want to take a look at that because it is 
really kind of a phenomenally in a way sad sight but it, it just incredible to see the girth of this amazing amazing creature all right this is about numbers and so that certainly is one of them this is such a sad story and it um it's interesting it it, it was my hubs that said to me wow this is uh, you probably didn't see this story but he was he was looking at something and it popped up and he said you know lisa marie presley of course the late daughter of of rock and roll king elvis presley was using apparently opioids and weight loss medication prior to her very tragic death she was battling some addiction for years again opioids but she was trying to really lose uh, weight an extreme weight loss regimen to look her best because what was she concerned about she's gonna be on the red carpet to be there for the movie elvis that was nominated for all kinds of awards including an oscar but was nominated for golden globe which um which they won for for elvis and austin butler who was who played her father won uh, won the award and she was there and not looking great but she lost 40 to 50 pounds just two months before she walked that red carpet and underwent plastic surgery and took those weight loss uh pills so wow um what a what a tragic ending you knew you know something had to be there but you think about when you see even headlines of how quickly you lose x amount of pounds and how fast you can do that and she apparently was really really trying to uh to do that so uh sad to find out what uh what ultimately caused that even though you, again like i said you knew something wasn't right there whatever it whatever it uh turned out to be all right more numbers to to talk about everything really is about numbers that's why i say every once in a while we do this you know we can count because because when you look around you see more and more numbers that we talk about and um even in talking about covid daily u.s cases actually fell 16 percent in the past week so covid down you can remember just a couple of years ago where we were talking about numbers of people that had covid and of course there are still people that are grappling with what they call long covid and there's still people who are getting covid some report mild symptoms some say it kind of hangs on to them it, it goes to what else somebody might be carrying around if they have diabetes or they have some other condition that uh, can make it that much worse but speaking of that the white house announced their intent in response to some of the republican efforts to end the declarations right now to end covid national emergencies that's going to happen apparently in may that's what biden told congress that he's going to stop the national emergencies to combat the coronavirus outbreak it'll happen on may 11th to restructure the federal government's response to the pandemic this is three years after the virus first arrived in the united states so the expiration of the orders that certainly marks a new phase of pandemic response and uh, since then 
some Americans have been fully vaccinated against the virus. And would you say life has returned to whatever normal is now? Uh, an average of when well, I was just mentioning the amount of people getting COVID, the, the average uh, is of more than 500 Americans die daily from the virus, but it's still significantly down compared to what it was in the beginning of this thing. Remember in 2020, the Trump administration declared a national emergency and a public health emergency. So again, that expires March 1st and April 11th. Then in that notice to Congress, the White House extending both emergency declarations before terminating them on May 11th. And they say the reason for that is because then they have uh, more time to get everything in a row before the, the it officially it officially ends and it wouldn't be abrupt and create chaos and uncertainty in the healthcare system for hospitals, doctors' offices, and tens of millions of uh, Americans. So, pretty interesting to think about that when you when you recall again what what it's been like what the struggle has been like the last uh, handful of years this is a crazy story about the dallas zoo i spent some time at the dallas zoo they did they do a wonderful job there with the uh, the animals i even was taken on a behind the scenes tour of it it was fascinating to see the feedings and things that happen but two monkeys are missing and there's these crazy things that are happening at the zoo the first thing that happened on the 13th of January, the zoo posted online, it was under a code blue. The zoo closed. They said it was a mysterious, serious situation, and one of its clouded leopards wasn't in its habitat. That was a day-long search for that animal that was found on the grounds that afternoon. A week later, zoo staffers found one of their vultures dead in its enclosure. It had unusual wounds and injuries, and they said it's not a natural death. And now on Monday, members of the animal care team called police after discovering that two of the zoo's uh, tamarind monkeys were missing and an intentional cut was found in their enclosure. So the strange string of, of things happening, the Dallas police are investigating it. And what they're just releasing the statement, you know, the zoo is saying, we want everyone to know how seriously we take the safety and security of our animals, our staff and our campus. And now they're saying they're going to implement more safety and security measures. So the zoo was closed to the public because of bad weather. But then that's when they discovered that the, the monkeys were missing. And um, they searched the grounds, but they could not find them so dallas police police think they were taken from their enclosure at because it was intentionally compromised and they were uh could have been kidnapped wow so the mystery of what's going on there how are how is someone getting in is it an inside job what i mean what is it uh it's just these repeated things that have happened it's very very strange what a mystery on this show, we got a couple of great interviews coming your way that you're going to love. Two really interesting authors. You don't want to miss that. Coming up on the flip side.
As Dr. Wallach says, we all have nutrient deficiencies in our diets and must supplement with 90 essential nutrients in proper balances. At no cost or obligation, get a personal certified holistic health coach to help you develop a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL-90. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. USA News Update. President Biden will be present at the dignified transfer of the soldiers who lost their lives in a drone attack in Jordan. John Kirby, national security spokesman, informed reporters that Biden has spoken with the families of three fallen service members Tuesday. Kirby noted that the president conveyed the nation's pride in their service. House Speaker Mike Johnson refutes allegations that his resistance to the bipartisan border deal emerging in the Senate is motivated by a desire to help Donald Trump's presidential campaign. But that's absurd. We have a responsibility here to do our duty. Our duty is to do right by the American people, to protect the people. The first and most important job of the federal government is to protect its citizens. We're not doing that under President Biden. Johnson said the deal under negotiation is inadequate. Unexpectedly recent data showing an increase in the number of job openings in the U.S. According to the Labor Department's report on Tuesday, there were 9 million job openings in December. John Schaefer, USA News. Radio. Why should I advertise on radio? There's nothing to look at. No pictures. Listen, you can do things on radio you couldn't possibly do on TV. That'll be the day. All right, watch this. Okay, people, and now when I give you the cue, I want the 700-foot mountain of whipped cream to roll into Lake Michigan, which has been drained and filled with hot chocolate. Then the Royal Canadian Air Force will fly overhead, towing a 10-ton maraschino cherry, which will be dropped into the whipped cream for the cheering of 25,000 extras. All right, cue the mountain. Now, you want to try that on television? Well... You see, radio is a very special medium because it stretches the imagination. Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com, including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. 
Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad to your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. Such an interesting story. Imagine if your wife comes to you and says, I want to ride the Pacific Crest Trail. That happened to him. Of course, they both were excellent when it came to riding horses and doing adventurous things in the outdoors. So we'll get to that story in just a minute. But before we do, I would be remiss not to tell you a little bit about his story. What a career he certainly has had. And I can understand why he and his wife lived an adventurous life out of doors for sure because of some of the things that happened uh, being on a small ranch and also in his career, think of Alaska and think of being in Alaska and being the first construction worker at the Valdez Terminal site of the Alaska Pipeline. Wow. I can think of bears. I can think of incredible wildlife, but also I can think of being scared out of my mind. I'm sure Pat wasn't. So, Pat, thanks for coming on. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So we we do have to tell the stories. What was that like being the first construction worker at this huge site on the Alaska Pipeline? (laughs) It was an adventure in itself. The site itself obviously had people working on it to prepare it, at least doing topographic surveys and all the information they needed to design the facility. But when we got there, we went to a camp that was in the town of Valdez, a trailer camp. And uh, the first day of work, they took us by bus into town and took us to the boat harbor. We got off, you know, onto a unified uh, six-pack. That means it can carry six people. And they took us across the bay, which is uh, several miles. So that took, a, you know, 10, 15 minutes. They offloaded us onto a floating raft, basically. We put all our equipment on the raft and then put all our equipment into a rowboat, and we rowed ashore to do our first day's worth of work. Now, this is a billion-dollar contract. They had all the money in the world, and yet we're rowing ashore. It just, it was amazing, the day of the cruise. Boy, well, we could talk about it all day, but let's get to your other journey. And the book is called that, The Journey. And you talk about the Pacific Crest Trail. And how did this come about? How did Rhonda come up with this idea that she wanted to do it? Well, you know, we've been adventurous. And several years before this, he had embarked on a trail here in central Oregon that's called the Metolius Wendigo Trail, which is a 150-mile trail taking you from one mountain pass and down into the valleys and along the route parallel the highway system and then back up to the top of the mountains. And she rode that with several friends, not me because I was working, but she uh, did that trip and that kind of got her started on knowing that she was capable of doing something like this and packing, you know, to carry your own supplies, and and what do you carry, planning and training herself and the horse to be able to to do it. So 
that got it started. And then we had friends that had ridden a portion of the Pacific Crest Trail through the state of Oregon, roughly 450 miles. And they had, you know, and, and they were close friends. And so Rhonda had the opportunity to bounce ideas off these folks and understand just really what it took in terms of planning and preparation to embark on a trip of this nature. You know, you, you have anywhere from four to seven days at times that you're totally off any system at all other than the trail, and it's totally up to you, you know, to prepare yourself and to have all the food and fodder and horse supplies and everything you need to stay safe and have a good time. You know, and this is rugged and treacherous. Were you worried? I mean, you did part of it. Were you worried about her being out there by herself? Uh, you know, that's that's part of life. We, we separate all the time. You know, you could get hurt driving to work the next day. So, you know, yes, I worried about her and had those concerns, but I also had a lot of faith in her inner abilities to, to cope with most anything. And that was pretty much proven on her trip on the trail. She had several circumstances that took every bit of knowledge and wit and perseverance and courage to get her through it. Yeah. And she rode for 1,500 miles, which is amazing. You told me 15 miles a day for basically 100 days. And you were there for part of it. When you could be there, you were there. What was it like being on the horse, being with her when you could do it? And what kind of things, what, you know, what kind of nature did you see? It had to be beautiful. Oh, yes, it, it certainly was, although I didn't go on the most difficult portions. Um, you know, I, I have the malady of being afraid of heights to some extent. So, you know, when we were out there riding together, she said, just look at the butt of the horse in front of you and don't look down. <laughs> so it, uh, you know, it sometimes is that kind of a treacherous trail where you might, if you went off the trail, you might have 500 feet to go downhill in a rolling fashion, not walking, so... I enjoyed it thoroughly at riding with her. I wish I could have gone on more of the trip, but, you know, we took advantage of this opportunity to be together, and, you know, we knew we were getting close to the end, and it was just a really fun time to be together, even though, you know, the first two days were in rain. And, you know, finding a campsite and putting your horses up and making sure they're secure and, all those things, getting your tent and facilities put up and and weathering the storm is part of that trip. And it's interesting in deciding to do that trip. I mean, you both knew how to handle horses. You loved to, and you were adventurous, as I said, and you liked horseback riding as a couple, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, our house, I mean, our, our life has been centered on, you know, our relationships with the horses and uh, you know gladly so and even though they're sometimes uh, problematic uh, it's been a wonderful life to be able to have that relationship uh, horses are a unique animal and uh, as you would probably find if you got online and studied it a little bit there's a lot of horses now being used to uh help people that have mental difficulties that they can relate to a horse easier than they can people. Yeah. What was her most difficult day on that, that journey? Uh, <laughs> well, there was 
several, but um, one was the, the day that she was riding uh, on the trail above Lake Tahoe through the top of the ridges, and uh, the horse, basically she had an accident with the horse. The horse got caught on some brush and backed up and uh, consequently went off the trail and rolled down the hill. And she had to rescue the horse and get him back on his feet, get all the supplies back on him, and he was injured severely. And uh, from then, she had to figure out, you know, communication with me to say, I've got to come off the trail. And luckily, she had a hiker there that had witnessed all of this, and he helped her uh, accomplish what needed to be done in order for her to get back down to civilization, and we could tend to the horse's problems that he had as through his injuries. So that was probably one of the most difficult times for her. Not only did she have to do all of that, the horse also trampled her on the way back up on to the trail, and she separated her collarbone from her sternum. And so she came out riding the horse for 10 miles uh, while injured herself, and we had to take her to the hospital that night. Wow. In writing that story and then writing all the wonderful things that happened and just what a determination and bravery and courage and everything that's uh, mixed in with that, how fun was this for you to put pen to paper, so to speak, and and come up with the journey? You know, when we, she first asked me, I wasn't all that hot to do it. Uh, I knew how troublesome it was going to be in terms of the logistics of just providing the food and, and transportation to move our crew, basically, from one spot to the other. But after a while, I got to thinking about it, and I said, well, you know, it's going to be an adventure. Why not do it? And obviously, it was an adventure. Uh, I love meeting so many people along the trail when I was by myself and Rhonda was up on the mountains. And I'd stop over and chat with the nearest person who might be camping or just walking or whatever they might be doing, you know, and sometimes it was store owners, sometimes it was forestry people, but there was always an occasion for me to, you know, be social and just enjoyed it thoroughly. What do you hope people, Pat, take away from reading your book, The Journey, which you can get on Amazon or Barnes & Noble? Well, you know, I had some people write me after they'd read the book, and I'm going to just quote this because they have a lot of meaning to me. These were testimonials from people that uh, had been through the book. Uh, One was, loved the book, loved your style of writing, can't say enough good things about it. Another one, a delightful story of grit, determination, and labor of love. And let's see, the last one was from somebody I'd never known, and uh, he had read the book and sent me a letter. It said, through humor, pathos, and clarity, the author takes readers on an unforgettable journey where they can experience the heartbreak, trials, and triumphs of this extreme adventure riding the PCT. It's a fascinating read, one that I found hard to put down until the journey's end. Perfect place to end this. Pat, thank you so much for coming on. All right. Thank you, Kate. I appreciate it very much.
My name is Milan Vukovic. Ten years ago, I got frustrated with the quality of Pau Diarco tea sold in the stores. So, I founded the Pau Diarco Tea Club that now ships our super tea to over 100 countries. You too can order or get info about the original pure Pau Diarco super tea at www.drinksupertea.com or by calling 818-965-9113. Why settle for less when you can order original pure Pau Diarco and drink super tea for only $34.95 per pound plus shipping? Each pound makes 300 cups, which is the equivalent of 12 cents per cup for the original pure Pau Diarco super tea. Order now at www.drinksupertea.com. That's drinksupertea.com or by calling 818-965-9113. That's drinksupertea.com or by calling 818-965-9113. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. walloffire.com It's obvious the unthinkable continues. Most Americans know something very wrong is happening. People in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. That's why self-reliant folks are investing in emergency food storage. You should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, are the ones you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $200 on each three-month food kit you purchase. My Patriot Supply also sells solar generators, gravity-powered water filters, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship that same day and arrive quickly on your doorstep in unmarked boxes. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. Time is running out to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Call 800-284-0523. Learn how through the Family Medical Leave Act, you can leave your job without losing your job. Locations everywhere. Get immediate help for drug and alcohol problems. Call now. 800-284-0523. 800-284-0523. in our virtual green room. He has had such an interesting career. He worked in publishing and advertising for over 40 plus years. So in that role, art director, graphic designer, illustrator, writer, what I think is really cool is his ties to the New York Times. He has a book, the New York Times Home Repair Almanac, 
and tiling the installation handbook. I mean, how do you write for the New York Times in the home improvement area? I know growing up in that area how critical people can be. So to write a column like that for the New York Times would be absolutely amazing. And he's written a novel that we're going to talk about called Werewolf on Madison Avenue. Ed, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. So you got to tell us the New York Times story. How'd that happen? Well, I after I got out of the Air Force, uh, I was a missile launch officer. I was got into the art field, and I was doing illustration. And one of my clients was the New York Times, and I, I did technical illustration and scientific illustration. And I was illustrating the column for Home Improvement, and... Um, all of a sudden, the uh, writer of the column took off. He, he resigned. He decided he didn't want to do the column, and the New York Times was looking for a writer. Well, when I was in college, I minded in English, so I stepped up to the plate and asked if I could do it because I had a background not only in uh, illustration and art and writing, but I was also involved in the theater, and I was a stage carpenter at one time. So I figured I had enough background that I could do this, so they gave me the chance, and uh, then the rest was history. I was able to do the column for five years. The only reason why I'm not doing it now is because the New York Times has gone on hard times, and they're no longer publishing independent columns like the home improvement, chess, photography, and cooking, and so on. Yeah, but that had to be a fun experience for you, was it? It was a fun experience, and it was also a learning experience, because even though I had experience in home improvement and industrial carpentry, I realized that when you write about something, you have to be able to tell people how to do it. It's not enough to do it yourself. <laughs> so all of a sudden I had found out myself I had to be not just a writer, but also a researcher. So putting together the columns was quite a task. It was enjoyable. But after five years, I felt as though we had done everything we could do. So it was just as well that the column uh, terminated. Yeah. And before we talk about your, your novel, we have this really interesting character, Jeff Foxlove. You worked in advertising, so you know what the advertising industry was like and the, some of the crazy uh, people who, who really were part of that. You worked on ad campaigns and whatnot. What, what was that experience like for you? Well, to tell you the truth, I worked as a freelancer, and I did not work for the big agencies like J. Walter Thompson, Y&R, Doyle Dane, or BBD&O. I worked for a lot of the smaller agencies, and when you work for the smaller agencies, they uh, they have a, uh, lesser products. To, they don't have the big-name products to work with. So they, they, these people sometimes got overzealous, and they actually kind of bend the rules of truth a little bit. Um, I didn't work constantly with them. I would come in occasionally, and that gave me a chance to see the world of advertising from an outsider's perspective at the same time by being in it. And so I ran into some rather interesting characters whom I will not mention, but anyway, um, <laughs> uh, for obvious reasons. But anyway, so as I was writing the column for the New York Times, somehow I got the idea of, of thinking, if I ever sit down to write a novel, I would like to write about advertising advertising, but I would like to put a, a glitch into it, a twist into it, a little wrinkle, and that was the werewolf idea. So um, even though I had an experience in advertising, <laughs> I haven't known many werewolves in my time. <laughs> Neither have I. So talk about your book, Werewolf on Madison Avenue. Tell us about the story of Jeff Foxlove and what, what happens to him. Well, uh, 
if you think about the monsters, there are the five big monsters, Dracula, Frankenstein, the werewolf, the invisible man, and the creature from the Black Lagoon. And all of them, except the werewolf, are full-time monsters. But the werewolf is unusual because he's only a monster one night of the year, uh, one night of the month, uh, and that's the night of the full moon. So he can be a monster and also keep his day job, and that's really what this is about. Jeff Foxlove is a young man, he's just out of college, and he wants to get into advertising. And he's read the high-minded end of advertising from, De- uh, from Ogilvy's book, The Confessions of an Advertising Man. And he really wants to get into to sell product and to do a good job. Unfortunately, he falls into a lesser advertising agency where the um, uh, owner of the agency is also the creative director. And his, he, there's no bounds to his tastelessness. And um, so he takes Jeff Fox Love under his wing and, and makes him a, a, a raunchy copywriter. Well, it's all right for a while, but Jeff, on a vacation, in the Yucatan, runs into the creature of the night and becomes a werewolf. And he comes back to New York thinking everything is okay again, but then he becomes a werewolf on the night of the full moon. And the next morning, he's filled with remorse. He wants to give himself up, but his boss tells him, no, his boss doesn't want to lose a good copywriter. So he tells him, okay, I'll find a way to keep you from going out on the night of the full moon and becoming a predator. Not only does he do that, but he realizes that now that he's got a full-fledged werewolf on his hands, he can use the werewolf to advertise various products, shaving cream, hair, uh, shampoo, and so on. It works for a while except for one thing. The werewolf, by its very nature, must kill. And so we have to see. So we, uh, the story takes place, uh, it goes on to say, can the werewolf survive as a werewolf and yet still be a copywriter? It goes to an ending, which I think the readers will find very surprising. Ooh, so it's so interesting because you've combined lots of humor. You have you have such a great sense of humor. You can see it is certainly weaved in the book. And horror. And um it had to be fun for you to write this, was it? it? It was fun. It was fun exploring the character and combining the eccentricities of the advertising world with the uh, predatory nature of a true monster and making them come together and then seeing if he could resolve this in a different kind of ending. I might say that um, I appreciate your comments, and I, of course, think the book is very good, but I'm not the only one. The Seattle Book Review just gave me a five-star review uh, rating for the book, so... Uh, it's getting good reviews. Nice. Will you write another novel? Yes, I'm in the process. I've just finished another novel called um, Visions of Destiny, and it's about a man who can see into the future. A very average, ordinary person, but he has the gift of getting glimpses into the future. Now, that might seem like a wonderful gift, but if we remember the um, uh, mythological legend the Greek, from Greek mythology of Cassandra, the prophetess of doom, uh, sometimes it turns out uh, badly. And this is the way it turns out for Henry Gainsworth. He has these visions, but when he reveals them, people become very wary and even afraid of him. And he goes through life in this way. And uh, it has another bittersweet ending. The book is in the final editing stage now. I don't expect it to be actually in print until the middle of March. Nice. Werewolf on Madison Avenue, you can pick that up on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And I would be remiss not to ask you about this, because uh, the Natural History Museum in New York, I think, is one of the great yeah. gems in the United States. 
and you spend time volunteering there. I'm waiting for your uh, dinosaur book to come out. What's that like? <laughs> <laughs> that's a long, that's a long wait. Uh, yes, I was up at the museum yesterday. I, I work at the. Uh, I'm a gallery explainer, and I'm up on the fourth floor. Usually on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, sometimes Thursdays in the afternoon. And if you want to know anything about dinosaurs, uh, you can come up and ask me. I won't be able to answer everything about dinosaurs, but I'm I'm fairly fluent, and I've been doing that for over 20 years. Um, uh, but I'm not going to write a book about it. There's too many good books out there by too many authorities. Uh, so you'll have to wait for that, unless I can figure out a way of making a fiction book out of it. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. What made you decide to do that? To Because to, obviously you were busy. You had your hands full with everything else you were doing. What made you decide you were going to uh, volunteer, and, and you've done it now for decades? Well, yes. Uh, what happened was uh, I started as an artist, and I used to go up to the museum. It's a great place to draw the animals because they don't move. And um, uh, then I felt out, I joined the museum so that I could go there anytime I wanted. And then I got the um, newsletter, and they were looking for volunteers and to explain dinosaurs. The dinosaurs hall had been closed for a few years where they were renovating it and reorganizing it. So they opened it up again, and they were looking for volunteers to explain dinosaurs. And I thought that might be interesting just to volunteer to do something. I'm not very good at volunteering like in a hospital or something like that. But it might be something to... uh, bring my talents, however limited they are, to useful purposes. And so that's what I did. I've been volunteering. I've been doing it. I really like it. The museum is a wonderful place to be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ed Lipinski, Werewolf on Madison Avenue. Thank you so much uh, for joining us on the show. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's my pleasure, I assure you. All right, so interesting his story. I really, really like the idea of what he did as I go back to the book, Werewolf on Madison Avenue, of talking about werewolves and in the cutthroat world of advertising and combining that there really is a lot of humor weaved in this, and his main character, Jeff Foxlove, is fascinating. So thanks to Ed for coming on the show and all of you for listening to this version of it. feel completely down on your luck, whether it's your career or just your life? Do you look at other people and wonder, why them, not me? I'm Kate Delaney. I did it. I admit it. I've learned some valuable and priceless lessons from some of the rock stars I've interviewed over the years, like Sir Richard Branson or the late, great John Madden, and I want to share them. Want to laugh? Want to learn? Want more out of life? Then pick up a copy of my book, Deal Your Own Destiny, Increase Your Odds, Win Big, and Become Extraordinary. Get it on Amazon today. The Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea naturally builds good cells and kills bad cells. So it's great for healthy people, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting an infection, diabetes, or cancer. To order, visit drinksupertea.com or call 818-965-9113. That's drinksupertea.com, 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com.